Tatum turns, attack the paint, flip to the corner, smart three in the air, got it! And the Celtics inch closer, up by 14 with five minutes to go. Pool and safe with his Steph Curry. Swings to Clay Thompson against Jalen Brown. Jalen reaches for the ball, knocks it away, but Clay has it back. Shot clock at seven. Gets it back from Poole, drives, and Jalen swats it into the front row. Brown wow. stay with him the entire time. And Jalen Brown tonight has been fired. Smart knocks it loose, diving Rob Williams. Curry trying to come up with it. What do we call it here? They're still scrambling, and Marcus Smart wins it and gets fouled. Everybody in the building, everybody around the world was waiting for a jump ball came. Paul that never came. Marcus Smart never stopped scrapping. He won the basketball through the foul. For the first time in 12 years, the Boston Celtics have a home game in the NBA Finals, and they will win it going away. The final score, Boston 116, Golden State 100. The Celtics have a two games to one lead in the NBA Finals. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, give us the story here. You did. You were doing stand up, and Marcus Smart was. In oh the yeah, was, this is years ago. I think he might have just got drafted, and this is at the uh, the uh, well, it was the Hard Rock. But uh, I was doing comedy, and I just look, and I go, "What do you do for a living?" He's like, "Oh, I play basketball," and I'm like, "Yeah." Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you do. Stupid. And he goes, and I, and I, and I go, I've never seen your face or whatever. And I kind of made, I go, of course you could say you play basketball, but I'm sure how many, but you could probably get away with it. I go, what's your name? And he goes, Marcus Smart. And I'm like, that's when I lost my mind. I was like, Oh my God. And I'm like, I remember sitting courtside watching him. And then, and then it was cool. And uh, he was good. He was a great, great audience member, took jokes, laughed at the jokes. He was great. So I'm a Marcus Smart fan forever. Does he remember you? I no, of course not. This moron. You're, yeah. you're his fuel. You're like, this moron was like, you don't play basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what play. it was. And now I think I'm the one who just powered him all the way you to did. the NBA you're finals. Right. You're right. That was me. That was me. He remembers that moment mm-hmm. every day before he plays. He's like, I remember the skinny, emaciated, tapeworm having dude made fun of me. Didn't know my face. And I remember that nameless son of a bee. And I carried him with me all the way to the NBA finals. So, and... I'm sitting courtside at the NBA Finals. That's how he, it feels. He's going to shout you out here mm-hmm. after they win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, a, here's a stat for you. This is from Micah Adams. There have been 2,553 instances of a player logging at least 30 in an NBA Finals game. Draymond Green last night was the first person to foul out with fewer than five points, five rebounds, and five assists. Arguably the least impactful game in finals history. Mm. I wonder what Mikey's using for his podcast. <laughs> I wonder what editing software. <laughs> That's probably what he's more concerned with right now, it, too. Honestly, <laughs> when, I, when I heard Isaiah Thomas say that out loud, I was like, okay, Isaiah, you really believe that? But the more you look at it, and the more you look at the numbers, oh, look at you! You're falling. I'm for it. starting to fall for you're it because for again, it. he started it two years ago. They were awful. Last year, they were kind of they weren't very good. They were kind of getting back on their feet, and now, and now that they have a, the re, the emergence of Clay Thompson, well, not the reemergence of Clay Thompson. I wouldn't even call it a reemergence, but the, more the the, the emergence of, of Jordan Poole coming off the bench. Curry's still playing at an MVP level. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like the Warriors are they're so deep that you could cover up for a Draymond who's playing eighty percent at what he would be playing, I think, if he were more focused. Wow. 
You're the worst. All right. I I've, changed my mind you did. mid-show. You did. It's impressive of you. Uh, it's a good sports talk radio host. Mm-hmm. You're killing it That's this right. morning. Mm-hmm. I've stick got, to it. <laughs> I've got a dumb hot take for you that okay. I don't actually think is dumb. But in the sport of basketball, you should never dive for a loose ball. Never. Never. Stay on your feet. Do not dive for a loose ball. Okay. If you are Al Horford and... Steph Curry's tiny little eggs are underneath you, and there's the ball there. Dive on the ball. So here's the key. Good things rarely happen when you dive on the floor for a ball. Because imagine, what are you, what are you hoping to do when you dive for a ball? You're hoping to get the ball. Yeah. Right? Another possession. What happens when you get the ball? You can't stand up. That'd be traveling. You have to do one of two things. You either have to burn a timeout, which... If it's late in the game, sure, maybe that's fine. But, like, you're not going to burn a timeout in the second quarter because you dove on the floor. That's stupid. The timeout's more valuable than the possession. Or you've got to try to pass while laying on the ground to a teammate, which is a difficult thing to do, right? Very rarely, pretty much never, do you dive on the floor for a loose ball and create a good possession for your team. You are creating a, oh, thank God we grabbed the ball. Now we've got to set up. I, I agree with what you're saying. Logically, you're correct. But you also want your players to want to dive on that no, ball. I, they I want, want that ball under any circumstances. No, 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 not under any circumstance. Because what happened last night? Steph Curry got hurt. He said he's fine and it's going to play. But guess who else dove? Al Horford. And he dove on Steph's legs, giving <laughs> the Boston Celtics an advantage. If you can take out the best player's legs, maybe I should make one exception. Yeah, sweep the leg. If you can injure an opponent, go for it. Don't injure but, opponents, please. But good things rarely happen when you dive on the floor. In all honesty, the best thing that can happen when you dive for the ball is somebody else fouls you. In which case, they dove on the floor as well, which just further highlights my point. Don't dive on the floor for the ball because you might get called for foul. I went over the good things that can happen. The bad things that can happen, you can get hurt like Steph Curry did. You can be called for a foul. Hell, if the other team gets the ball, now you're out of position. You're laying on the floor like an idiot while they're taking off the other way. There are way more bad things that can happen when you dive for a ball than when you don't dive for a ball. And here's the other key to last night's play. Who ended up with the ball? Marcus Smart. What did Marcus Smart do? He walked in, stayed on two feet, and grabbed the ball. He didn't dive for the ball to go get it. He just walked in and took it. But Marcus is dove for many balls. He does, and he should never do that. Okay. But last night when he got the ball, how did he get it? You give Not me by a team, diving. The you, two morons that dove on the floor didn't end up with the ball. You give me a team full of guys that would risk diving for the ball over a bunch of guys that are like, I'm not diving for that stupid ball. And I guarantee you the team that will risk diving for the ball will win every single time. They're False, hungrier. Because they're all going to be hurt before the series is over. Oh, they're yeah, going to be battle scarred, bro. I would say the only caveat to that is only big guys should dive for the ball. Absolutely not. Little ones get hurt, and big ones win the jump ball if it comes to it. I will say, okay, the jump ball point's a good. Speaking one, of no. dives, one of the one of the most iconic pictures in basketball history is when Dennis Rodman is diving for the ball and he's completely horizontal. Right, but he was trying to save it from going out. Yeah, of bounds. I know, but the ball I'm, still went out of bounds. Right. So I mean, it's <laughs> like the guy he went completely horizontal midair, and I mean, dude, this is Dennis Rodman, so he's about five feet off the air, and then just whomp like that, and he dove into the front row. So maybe there was some. Padding because there was a 
the front row was there. People. The people were there, <laughs> much like much like the Steph Curry was Al Horford's padding. So you just have to, it's situational. No diving, never dive. Only big never guys dive. dive. Only big guys dive. As uh, Mike Ramala, who comes on the show and is a Boston Celtics fan, he tells me Smart did dive on the floor in the initial pile, which is not actually true. Marcus Smart fell down trying to get a rebound and is the whole reason there was a loose ball is because he fell to the floor. And there he would was never the f- have been a loose ball if Marcus Smart had not fallen to the floor. And he was the, the first, first one to get up and, then and he get stood that up ball. And realized, I don't need to dive. I will just go take the ball. He dug, deep. he dug deep when he stood up. Now, another key from this, Draymond Green after the game lied to everyone. Um, so Draymond Green in this play where Steph Curry got hurt, after Marcus Smart grabs the ball, he starts to kind of like turn away like he's going to dribble away from the pile. Draymond Green just like basically gave him like a half little tackle thing and got called for a foul. And Draymond Green fouled out of the game. After the game, uh, this is a tweet from Kendra Andrews who covers the Warriors. Draymond Green said he picked up his sixth foul for pushing a Celtic off Steph Curry on the play Curry may have been injured because Curry was screaming at the bottom of the pile. Draymond Green did not push anybody off of that pile. Draymond Green fouled Marcus Smart, who was standing and moving away from the pile. Al Horford was the Celtic on top of Steph Curry. Draymond Green didn't touch anybody that was on top of How dare you question the integrity of Draymond Green? Okay, he has got podcast subscribers out there that he cares very much about. (laughs) Like, he afterwards tried to make it sound like he was the hero and that he took that foul because he was saving Steph Curry, who was screaming in pain. When in reality, he committed a completely unnecessary foul to a guy that had nothing to do with Steph Curry being injured. I want, I want to hear this. I want to hear his hero explanation on the podcast. That's the only reason why I would even turn into that. Like, let us know why you think you were stepping up for your buddy when you just basically shoved a guy who had a ball that was, you know what I mean? Like, like the idea that, but that's always been Draymond though. That's what, that's always been his thing with the team. They're like, he's the heart and soul. And he's the one that gets up at people's faces and he's the enforcer. That's always his thing. Well, then he didn't enforce anything. He just fouled somebody and he's like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? This is come on guys. It's Dre over here. And as soon as the whistle was blown on that play, he did not go help his teammate who was screaming in pain at the bottom of the pile, he went and complained to the ref. Yeah. Like, he at no point during that play was worried that's about not, Steph Curry's health. That's not what I heard on the podcast. I heard Draymond <laughs> Green ripped Marcus Smart off Stephon, Stephen Curry, and then when Curry was just laying there lifeless, Draymond gave him mouth-to-mouth <laughs> and CPR, and he somehow got Steph Curry Back on the court, the guy's a hero. I think we've come to a point where we don't even need to watch the NBA Finals. We just need to listen to the Draymond Green podcast afterwards to find out what happened. Do you guys remember when Draymond Green stopped Thanos and Avengers? I do. Thank you. That could have actually happened in a movie, and I. <laughs> it's just again, like when you look at Draymond Green and his whole thing, his whole angle is, "I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth," and it's like, "No, you're not. You're just as bad as you and Tyler Bischoff and me and everybody else who grabs a microphone. No one's going to give you the 100 percent truth. It's going to be their take. Game. Period." He tried to make himself out to be like a hero, mm-hmm. like his sixth foul was a good thing because he saved Steph Curry from injury. But oh. in reality, he 
did absolutely nothing to help Steph Curry in it's that a, scenario. It's a beautiful story about friendship if you really think about it. <laughs> you know, Draymond Green, he's, the, the people look at him as the villain of the league, but if you just knew him, if you were his teammate, he'd be there for you. Would he? He'd help you move. Would he? Yeah. Do you think Draymond Green's helped any of his teammates move? I mean, he'll, he, he said it on his podcast. He said he helped all of them move across country, got in the moving truck. Ooh. Everybody that got traded there, Draymond was the first one with a moving company. What kind of guy company. is? Man, he hired a whole it's company. Kind of, it's the kind of guy he is. It's the kind of teammate uh, he is. We all need a Draymond Green in our lives. Yes. Yes, you do. All right. I never, I, my dad wasn't in the picture. I needed a Dre. <laughs> He would have taught you a cross-faced chicken wing a lot have, sooner. Uh, I learned that all on my own. Thank you, you very learned, much. You would have had okay. it mastered I, by the time you were like six, not 13. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming up next, <laughs> it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. We, we take a lot of pride in being very analytical here. Um, we use a lot of statistical data. Tendencies. Bischoff's brief. Got a lot of respect for the percentages of blitz on second and one to six, third and five to ten. Bischoff's briefs. We take analytics as far as we can, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of human error that I continually make. Bischoff's briefs. I don't believe any of those statistics. I think it's all hotline. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we got tickets to go see Slipknot. Stay tuned for that. J.R. Stark is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Today's Bischoff's Briefs. I'm going to ignore the rundown. I'm changing what's in the rundown because <laughs> I got a question for you. Do you think the Warriors are sore losers? Yes. So yesterday during game three, the Boston crowd was chanting, F you, Draymond. After the game, Steve Kerr was asked about it. He sarcastically called the uh, Boston fans classy. Uh, after the game, Clay Thompson was asked about it, and he basically gave a think of the children answer. Like, oh, I don't like that they do that in front of kids. Meanwhile, Draymond Green in his postgame press conference uh, cussed while his son was sitting right next to him. So Draymond Green wasn't too concerned about his child next to him. Um, I am amazed that basketball players and coaches would be bothered by a simple F you Draymond chant. Okay. I do think the Warriors are sore losers, but coming from Boston, I mean, again, everybody knows Boston is what Boston is. I mean, a kid's first word is the F word in Boston. It's like, it's just how it's not father. It's just like, like they're 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 a different breed in Boston, so it's not like anybody doesn't expect that. Especially Boston, the Boston Celtics in the finals, you are going to get full tilt Boston. It's going to be well, wicked. F you, Draymond's not even bad. Right. Like of of anything that could have been said or chanted at Warriors players, right. And it's Draymond. That's that's as tame as it gets. It's like the one thing with Draymond Green is like he has made his name by being hated and but also talking a lot of stuff and backing it up. Well, now he's not backing it up. Yeah. He he lives for that. 
Yeah. He lives for the other team's fans chanting F you Draymond. Mm-hmm. Now, like you just said, in the past, he's normally well, played well. What the thing is, though, is in the past, he didn't have something that he could market off of. Look, everybody loves to hate. Oh, boy. Are you going back to the podcast? No, that's, that's not what I'm saying is, is like, that's what his whole thing is. It's like everybody, like people love to hate. That's why clickbait is such a thing. People don't put on clickbait because of something cute. They, they're usually enraged and they want to see about it. Draymond Green is that guy. He brings that in spades. And now that he has found a way to turn that attitude into a marketable revenue, maybe I, I'm starting to see it. it's like oh, maybe man. maybe it is starting to happen like that. I don't know. Again, he didn't play like this two years ago until this podcast happened. Now all of a sudden it's like he's trying to get all this praise when before he was the ultimate team player. Now it's like, no, look at me, Draymond Green now. It's different. It's different. It's a different dynamic. And believe me, I've lost friends, comics, and stuff like that that have dedicated their lives to TikTok followers and Twitter followers and stuff, they just become vapid. And they don't give you an answer that would come out of their mouths. They give you an answer of what their fans would want you to say. And they start bringing that into real life. It's sad. It does a number. That social media crap does a number on you. You've lost friends to TikTok? Well, I've just lost respect for some of them. You know, and if you've seen some of these six second videos, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't deserve respect. I mean, some of these TikTokers are funny, but a lot of them just want to get on there and hear themselves talk just like Draymond Green's doing right now. How long how many hours a day do you spend on TikTok? Oh, none. Zero. Oh, none at all. None. It's like, no, because it's the dumbest thing in the world. Oh, TikTok's phenomenal. Okay. Somebody who doesn't like. Somebody who doesn't like quality entertainment, such as movies, television, and music, yes, TikTok is great for you. It is. TikTok is the jingling your keys in your face of apps. That's what it is. And I can't get enough of it. It is. Oh, it's, it's, all it's done is it's destroyed people's attention spans and and it's just gotten everybody used to crap entertainment it's not good you're so old it's the same thing that vine was 10 years ago and i hated vine you know it's exactly the same thing as vine it's exactly you know me but you know tiktok somehow found a way to get that thing and again vine Again, all it is is just people that just want to hear themselves speak. That's it. You're so old. I am. I am. How much older than you am I? I'm 42. How old are you? Good God, you're old. You're, what, 10 or 11 years younger than me? 29. 29. Look at you. If if it makes you feel any better, I don't have TikTok. I've never had it. How old are you? You're missing out, I am 31. 31 years old. Older than Tyler. Yeah. You're missing out, Danny. Yeah, no, I don't think I am. You are. Like, I get sent TikToks by my girlfriend right. and my stepdaughter, Phenomenal. but they're all about animals. Like, I don't get ridiculous ones. No, oh, no. What it is, though, is it, it's like this. If somebody just sent you a video, you're like, all right, cool. But what ends up happening is, is you get sucked into it. Oh, yeah. And then you, you just kind of go. And next thing you know, two hours go by. And it's great. Well, yeah. Why would I not want to you Now you have a curvature of, of your spine that's not supposed to happen. It's no, I'm just, working on my posture. Right. I got, I got it handled. <laughs> I got it handled. I mean, I already have that just from video games. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh, believe me, I, I got a broken finger from a video game uh, because I lost and I punched the floor. But oh, why'd you do that? Because I lost. Yeah, it yeah, was NFL Blitz you gotta, and it cheated. You got to have you got to have smarter rage. Okay. No, it, didn't you say you broke a couple controllers? Right. I did not break my own fingers. 
That's what I'm saying. You gotta, um, you gotta have a smarter I, I'd I'm not saying mine that. was smartest. I'd rather do that and tie it to the other one so it can heal rather than pay 60 bucks 60. for another controller. No. And then walk around with a broken hand for the rest of your life. It makes sense. Thank you. I mean, I've been there. Like, in an indoor <laughs> soccer game, I broke my hand because I punched the wall. That's just stupid. But that was indoor soccer, so no one saw it. Oh, everybody <laughs> heard it. The entire arena heard it. <laughs> Wait, have I told you this, Scooch? My like, I didn't play a lot of video games growing up, but I played video games right. growing up, like a normal person. But I stopped playing like at some point in college because I realized I was just getting angry all the time and was breaking controllers constantly. That's yeah. because I would just fling them. It, uh, something bad would happen. That thing's across the room. The, it, okay, you see that happen with athletes when they're not performing. Like maybe they're playing indoor soccer and they're just having a bad game and they got to punch a wall. I get it. You know I me, mean? but but the thing is though is you are like physically exerting yourself with video games you are not. And everything that's going on in that game, you controlled and you are still losing your mind and you're more mad at yourself. That's what it is. You just hate yourself so much that you just got to break something. No, but like you said, the NFL blitz cheated. Yes, obviously. it cheated. Yeah, it made me fumble. Like what is that? Right. I didn't I didn't choose the fumble. Yeah. They made me fumble. Ridiculous. So guess what? Broken hand for me. I'll learn next time. I remember I, one time when I was like 10 or 11, uh, I broke a controller because in Madden, put the difficulty all the way down on the lowest, tried to get 100 points. I was running like right at the end of the game. I was somewhere in the mid-90s, so the touchdown would have gotten me to 100, and a guy came like right next to the So you broke line. a controller because you were destroying the team, but you didn't get to 100? I didn't achieve my goal that I set out to. Wow. Wow. Is there, any, have, is there anything else in life that you have dedicated yourself to like that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> that you would break something for. See, I think I only But ever... I was also like 10 or 11, so at that point, like, video games were... Okay. Well, now it makes a lot more sense now. I yeah. thought you were like a full-grown man. This, no. was, this was last Maybe week. you had a body no. in your crawl space after that. You I, know, haven't, like... I haven't broken a controller probably since I was in middle school, maybe high school. It's good to see that you're growing on me, bro. I don't think I ever broke a controller unless I was playing another person. Like, I don't think I ever broke one just because I didn't break 100 against the computer. I it have. Was like, I lost to my friend, so this controller's going Yeah, I don't know room. if I have broke a controller. I've thrown one, and it could have broken, but I didn't break it. Oh, I've, I've shattered yeah, some. Yeah, God, the rage. Were there any broken controllers during this you Mario were, Kart tournament? It's just... It, it, I mean, we're using 25-year-old controllers. So I'm sure not. they started broken. Oh, man. I, it's just crazy, because it's like, you... You're such a calm guy, so just I to have imagine. very little rage. Yeah. Very little. Uh, so very just to few watch you, make me angry. just to think about you getting that's, super angry. That's like, part of why I just stopped playing, because I was like, this makes me way too, I'm not angry about, like, anything else like, except this. The thing is with you is, like, you are a sports fan, and if you're a sports fan, you don't get angry because you're watching sports, but if you're a fan of a team, then you get angry. So it's like you oh, have yeah. totally yeah, with removed. Yeah, my favorite teams. Yeah, I get mad at my Who favorite Who are your favorite teams? teams? The Houston Astros and Arsenal. Okay. Team. Okay. Yeah. So not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see that being angry. But again, when you're watching baseball, I mean, can you really get that enraged at baseball? Yeah. Oh, I think sports. Really? Yeah. I think, see, football to me is just like. do stupid things. Especially yeah. at the pitchers. If yeah. you can't I guess locate you're right. the strike zone. Right. Absolute nightmare. I guess you're right. Or, or you're hating the ref or the ump. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, yeah. 
that's my the biggest the amount the thing that gives me the most rage right now is home plate umpires not calling balls and strikes correctly. Okay. Un un irrational rage from me over that. I I will just yeah all the time. I I don't throw things. I've scaled back on that, but. There's a lot of curse words that I've, Clay Thompson wouldn't be happy about. I've pounded my yeah, I pounded my fist on the table. That's about as bad as it gets. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Adier Molina is pitching for St. Louis. Hitting four turns as here's the slow curve in there for a called strike at 48. Brady's had a big RBI yesterday, and he takes the slow breaking ball, nothing in two. Donovan at first playing behind the runner and a swing and a miss and a strikeout for Yadier Molina little gas right there Kisner with the the ball he'll throw that out he's got his first ever strikeout ready for the weekend like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkis champagne perfume going in sewage coming out Starkest key account executive with Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, our extreme mixologist. Head's gone. Gooch is here instead. And we save that Yadier Molina audio just for you because I know mm. you love that more than anybody else. It's the greatest, man. When, when you get a pitcher out there or a catcher pitching or any position player pitching when you're getting your butt kicked, um, I love it because why waste your bullpen? I love it. Did you see the Dodgers last weekend where Dave Roberts tried to bring in a position player and the ump said, no, you have to bring him. It, it has to be a six run deficit for you to bring in a position player. Uh, I did not see that. Yeah. What the hell is that? That's not, right. That's not a rule. It is. It happened. Dave Roberts tried to bring in a, a position player, Zach McKinstry to pitch the ninth when they were down five and the umpires told him, no, you can't do that. It has to be a five run deficit for you to bring in a position player. I would say to that, if I were Dave Roberts, which, which, let's, let's, what was the deficit at the time? Five runs? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, that's I mean, that's garbage because, I mean, five runs, we've seen bigger deficits, you know, um, be, be, to come back from um, than that. And so it's another one of my pet peeves, too, right? Where you have, the, you know, the, the obligatory, oh, uh, you know, you're, you're up by, you're up by seven in the ninth inning and you're still going to, you know, hustle out a single or whatever. You're like, you're not going to just roll over and give us the outs. I hate that too. Like, so there's this fine balance of, of like playing to the end and, and just giving up to the point where you're going to put a position player in. So Dave Roberts trying to put a position player in only down by five. I don't care if it was the last inning. That's garbage. Uh, that's, that's, that to me is, is a terrible, terrible decision. It's basically saying, Hey, <laughs> even though I have the best, offensive team in baseball um, or one of them, I'm just going to say that you guys are, are done for, for this game. Like you guys can't hit, you guys can't erase five runs. That's, that's awful. So Dave Roberts just, just adding to the fact that he's an awful coach. You sound like Ed, you know that, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, Ed does have some points sometimes. And when it comes to stuff like this, (laughs) I agree with him. Uh, You know, every once in a while has a point, but I do love, you know, when you're down by, you know, 17 in the ninth inning. Okay. You know, bring in your, bring in your catcher to throw 44 miles an hour and see how slow he can throw. Um, but then again, don't get mad when whoever it is takes a daddy hack and puts one over the fence and you're up. Now you're down by 18. Like, I want to see that too. Like if you, if you, if you're going to have some fun with it, have some fun with it. But 
um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it's got to be. All right. Here's an important question based on our last uh, topic on this show. Does your son play video games? He does. Yes. Does he get irrationally angry at the video games? Not anymore. He used to. So when he, he, he's, you know, obviously a baseball player. So he used to, he plays MLB the show most often. And when he was younger, like I would be like, Hey, I, you know, I, I hear him playing upstairs. So I'd come up, I'd go up and I'd be like, Hey, what's the score? And he's like, Oh, it's zero, zero in the fourth. And then I'd be like, okay, cool. And then I'd check on him later and, and he, and I'd be like, you know, maybe 20 minutes later and I'd say, Hey, what's the score? And he's like, Oh, I'm up to zero in the third. I'm like, you just said it was the fourth. He's like, yeah, no, I've got somebody hit two home runs back to back off me. So I restarted it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, 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 but he doesn't do that anymore. Um, he now he just plays against his buddies and they just talk smack the whole time. So um, that's okay too. But uh, yeah, he doesn't restart the game anymore. So, but he used to all the time. And I, when I was younger, for sure did that. Like, nope, nope, this can't be how it is. I am, you know, I'm starting the game over. Were there any thrown controllers at any point? <laughs> oh, when I was a kid, for sure. Like, yeah, definitely. There was definitely not, not my son has never done it that I've seen. But when I was a kid, 100%, like something got launched over the, you know, somewhere. I remember when I played my dad when I was younger in chess, he got mad because I beat him in, like, beat him in chess or was about to beat him in chess. And he, like, swiped the board of all the pieces because he was about to lose to his 10-year-old kid, you know, in chess. And he was so angry and didn't want to play with me anymore. And I was like, that's where I get my competitive spirit from, and I love him for that. And that's also why you go to therapy. So it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, Jr. What are you making for us today? So you know, it, it, the hotter it gets outside, the more I'm trying to find drinks. I'm like, all right, well, what can what can we make that's going to just be super refreshing and, and sessionable? Um, obviously, summer is a big time for for beer consumption, and you know, over the last week um, on social media, especially on my wife's social media, she likes to repost my videos as well. But she put out a little bit of a poll, and the poll was, "What would you like to see Jr. make more of?" and one of the top guests was vodka. So I wanted to do a vodka slash beer cocktail um, today because a, a couple of days ago I was in a beer training and uh, I drank a beer that I've had before, but it just, re- just refreshed my memory. And it's, it's by Sierra Nevada called Sunny Little Thing. And it's an American wheat or an American wheat ale. Um, it's a great beer, hints of orange and pineapple, just truly a refreshing sessionable, like I want to have all of these type beer. And so I wanted to do a drink because it's going to be what, 110 this weekend or 109 this weekend. And if you're out of the pool, this drink will, will do nice for you. And the nice thing about this drink, right, is that there's no ice necessary, but the key to it is that just keep all of the ingredients really cold. Um, it, it uses only four ingredients. It uses uh, the beer. And I would recommend buying the can of beer because one can of beer is basically what you're going to need for this recipe. And that's the Sierra Nevada sunny little thing. Uh, you're going to need Ciroc passion, which is one of the newer flavors from Ciroc vodka that's out. And I did a drink a couple weeks ago with Ciroc passion. So if you made that drink, you already have this vodka Cointreau, which is an orange liqueur. I use this all the time. Um, the Ciroc passion and the Cointreau can both go in the freezer. That's what I would recommend. Um, the beer, obviously not in the freezer, and then a little bit of pineapple juice, which could also go in the refrigerator. Put your glass or whatever you're going to pour this drink into, um, into the freezer as well. So you want all of these ingredients really cold, and you're just going to build the drink into a large glass. It's got to hold about 20 ounces. The drink does 20 to 24 ounces because 
this American style wheat uh, this Sierra Nevada makes uh, the the sunny little thing it it has like a, a really creamy head to it so when you pour it into the drink you're going to need room for that for that head it's not a flat style of beer uh, so take your ice cold Ciroc passion you're going to use an ounce and a half and put it right into your glass follow that by one ounce of your frozen or ice cold uh, Cointreau right into the glass. Now, Cointreau and Ciroc Passion both have some sweetness to them, um, but there's also a, a good amount of alcohol, especially in the Cointreau, which is 80 proof. Next, take your cold uh, pineapple juice. Um, I just, I, frankly, I like to use Dole pineapple juice right from the can. That, to me, is the most consistent. Um, just make sure you give it a little shake because it will settle. So two ounces of the, of the pineapple juice, and then top it with your beer. Give it a little stir. Garnish it with like a lemon wheel if you want or a piece of mint. But that is it. Um, I call it the perfect little thing. And it's perfect for when it's 110 degrees outside for this weekend. But talk about a sessionable, crushable beer cocktail. This is it. I promise you're going to love it. Is anything actually perfect when it's 110 out? Yes. The pool water is usually perfect. Uh, <laughs> cold beers are usually perfect. Uh, since it's college baseball, I'll be watching a ton of college baseball. So, I will, at some point this weekend, be drinking this drink in my pool watching college baseball, and that is perfect. Uh, college baseball question for you. Did you see the Maryland-UConn play at first base? Uh, no, I, you know, I didn't catch that one. I was, I was flipping back and forth between all the games, but I missed that. What, what happened? Uh, Two-run game in the eighth, runner on third, and a guy hit a chopper like halfway between home plate and first base. The pitcher fielded it. Tried to throw him out at first, and the runner ended up colliding with the first baseman while the first baseman was trying to catch it. And the first base umpire called him safe. Runner scored from third. The home plate umpire said no. Runner was out of the baseline. Runner's out at first, and the runner on third had to go back to third. They reviewed it, and it, it stood, even though he didn't really run out of the baseline. I mean, if, if he didn't run out of the baseline and they reviewed it, I don't understand what, how it can stand, but... Uh... Um, you know, it's, I, I, you know, I, I get it to a degree, but I, that's, that's a tough way, man, to, to not be able to score a run. Um, and I'm assuming they got out of the inning and they nobody did. scored. It's like, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, I, I enjoyed, what was the game that I watched that I was, I was like Oklahoma state and like central Michigan or something like that. When central Michigan was up 12, zero in the sixth inning, I think, and wound up losing 30 to 15. Like, I love that. Like, it's, it's incredible. Like college baseball, like this time of year is, is awesome. So I, I was watching as much as I could get uh, on my iPad or my television or wherever I was and just, uh, just enjoying it to the fullest because uh, you know, that, then I'll move on to the pros more often, but right now college baseball with all of their heart and their, their hustle. I, I it's, it's so great. All right. J.R. Stark is Southern Glazers wine and spirits. J.R. As always, we appreciate it. You got it guys. Talk to you next week. So there's J.R. Starkus. And now it's time to win tickets to go see Slipknot. They are coming to Las Vegas, the Knotfest Roadshow with special guest Cypress Hill, Friday, June 17th at MGM Grand Garden. We've got two tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Slipknot and Cypress Hill, be caller number nine at 702-364-1100. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. On Saturday, make sure you join Damon in ESPN Las Vegas out at the Parkway Tavern at the District for the Aces and Sparks. Damon will be out there hosting a watch party. 
So go watch the Las Vegas Aces, the best team in the WNBA with Damon and ESPN Las Vegas. Um, LeBron James, you ready for this? Heard of him. He said on his uh, podcast, or I guess it's more of a TV show, uh, that he wants to own an NBA team and that he wants to own a team in Las Vegas. Well, he's the first athlete to reach a billion dollars, right? The the very first playing athlete to reach a billion? Is yeah, that the, the thing? the first active one. Yeah, and look how much more money Michael Jordan made after basketball as well. It will happen with LeBron. It will happen. The guy is a money-making machine. So an NBA expansion fee is going to be about 3 to $4 billion. Okay. LeBron does not have 3 to $4 billion. Yeah, he could do a couple of TikTok videos. <laughs> He'll make that back. <laughs> yeah, he can get investors and then just be a majority. Not with only a billion. Somebody else would be the majority. Eh. That's the part that I'm curious about. Would LeBron James actually be well, a majority like when, owner or would he be a minority owner? Well, like when Jay-Z did it with the New Jersey Nets and they had that Russian billionaire, who was the majority there? The Russian guy. Okay. Yeah. So I could see I could see LeBron. Well, what about when Michael Jordan bought Charlotte? He was also minority owner slash general manager. So I could see something like that happening. There was Bill Simmons had a, he reported um, earlier this year. What was that in February? He reported that the NBA was considering or was looking into, or was going to try to make it happen where LeBron James would be minority owner and general manager of an expansion team in Las Vegas. So Bill Simmons has already sort of reported this and now, LeBron James is kind of saying it himself. Granted, he didn't say the general manager part, but he did say the ownership part. So I'm the part that I'm curious on last week, Adam Silver said expansion is not happening in the near future, which to me implies at least a two to three year time period, right? LeBron's still playing, but would they really have a plan already in place for an expansion team to be announced like four or five years down the road and LeBron to be a part of it. That sounds like way too far out for them to already have plans. You're right. But at the same time, I mean, if there's anybody that's the king of playing the long game, it's LeBron. He knows how to wait. I mean, think about every move he's made and every time it's been highly criticized, but he ended up getting exactly what he wanted. Well, he got Russell Westbrook. That didn't work out very well. well but he still, but he still got a ring with LA, got a ring with the Heat, got a ring with the Cavs. I mean, it's like he got a ring with the Cavs. It's just anything the guy has set his mind to, he has done. I mean, LeBron James is, you look up winner, that is the definition of a winner. The guy it blocks out everything and just does. LeBron, if you can focus like that, dude, you're going to go places. LeBron owns a team. They win a title before Charlotte does. Does that put LeBron ahead no. of MJ as the overall GOAT of NBA? No, no, never. I know it, that'll be the topic on first take. Oh, that'll be a topic for the rest <laughs> of their ownership lives. Well, and the thing is, too, is look how good of a general manager Michael Jordan was. He wasn't good, you know, and it's Would like any time. be good? No, he's not. Anytime, anytime you look at somebody like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron, okay, who at the time Michael Jordan was head and shoulders 
athletically superior than like 99% of the NBA. Okay. The thing is with Michael Jordan, where you look at Dominique and you go, okay, yeah, he was athletic as well, but Michael Jordan managed, managed to put it all together into one package. That kind of athlete only comes around once every, what, 20 years? LeBron James is that guy now. He's at the tail end of his career. Physically speaking, is he better than Michael? Maybe. I don't know. The whole Did you comparison, lose your point in the middle there? The whole point between were... Michael and, and, and LeBron has always been, has always been a, a point of emphasis, but to, to use his... The point was this. <laughs> this is where I got off. The point is this. You look at Larry Bird as a coach, okay, when he, who was completely not athletic, but he understood the X's and O's. He was an excellent coach because he understood that. But then when you go ahead and you look at Magic, when he was a coach, you're like, ooh, because when you're highly athletic, like a Michael Jordan, like a LeBron James, and you're expecting these guys to do the things that you could do, things are going to fall apart. And that's why I think Michael Jordan, as an evaluator, just wasn't good as a general manager, and he wouldn't be good as a coach, and I feel the same way about LeBron. Would people hate our NBA team if LeBron was owner slash GM? Like, would they hate us from the jump? Yes, yes, Yes. they would. They would always compare us to Charlotte for MJ. Guarantee it. Well, that'd be a phenomenal comparison because Charlotte sucks. Yeah, yeah. That I would is such love a that low comparison. bar. That, yes. is, that is nothing to trip over. Yeah. So I, yeah, it'd be like this. Like, who's a better player? Uh, LeBron James or Derek Fisher? Go. You know what I mean? Derek Fisher. <laughs> More titles. Um, I, I'm fascinated the timeline here because the other part of LeBron saying, I want to own a team and I want a team in Vegas. I don't feel like he would just say that without some sort of like knowledge that that's what I'm getting. There's going to be a team in Vegas and I've got a shot to be part owner or whatever it would end up being. But at the same, but Adam silver just said expansions not happening in the near future. So again, would they really be planning this out five years? And that just seems so long in advance to be like, yeah, LeBron's going to be a part owner five years from now of a team that doesn't exist yet. That just seems, but name another player, name another player who wields as much power in their sport than LeBron James, David Beckham. When he came over, he signed a contract that said he would get an expansion team in Miami and he got one and he got one 20 years later. And guess what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen with LeBron. If he speaks things, it comes in. He's got the money. He's got the power. I think Draymond Green is going to parlay his podcast success <laughs> into $10 billion. And that's how he'll be the majority owner. Yes, and LeBron will just have to settle for being the minority owner. And the most important thing won't be the NBA team. It'll be the Draymond Green podcast. And we get the podcast studio in the arena. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The halftime show is just the Draymond Green show. That's the important part. Not the actual game, just Draymond Green giving us his false takes.